Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. This is episode number 29, What Do You Do With a Problem? My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do, and you're doing it, all while holding down the fort at home, but you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. We're going to start out with our battle buddy moment today from Mary FB27. And this is her review about the podcast and she titles it exceptional. And then she goes on to say, Jesse is amazing in explaining the concepts and applying the coaching model in a very relatable way. She is so knowledgeable and personable as I always feel like she is talking directly to me. It's been so helpful to take responsibility for my emotions using the model she explains in the podcast. Thank you so much for that review, Mary. And I love that you feel like I'm talking to you because that's what I'm visualizing as I record these podcast episodes. I imagine either a a small group of my listeners or even just one military wife that I'm speaking to, almost as if we were sitting down over lunch and I was just explaining something that I was excited to talk about. And so I hope that that is the experience that you guys are having. Um, I next want to do a little tracking on the business segment. Make sure that you guys are up to date on anything that's going on with me and Simply Resilient. As I say in every podcast episode, this this podcast is so helpful in spreading the word. So if you guys could share it with your friends, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, that would be amazing. Thank you so much for everyone who already has. And thank you in advance for everyone who's about to go do it right now. Um, I did the last episode that I published was just a little bonus episode and I titled it, What is a Mini Session? So make sure you check that out. Just a quick explanation of what I mean at the end of the episodes when I say, you know, send me an email to schedule your free life coaching mini session. I just want to make sure you guys know what I'm talking about there because I can't wait to hear from you guys and work with you on that individual level for free to give you a sample of what it would be like to coach with me. So go ahead and catch that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. And if you have and you are excited about the idea, please reach out and schedule that mini session so that you can get a taste of what life coaching is like. The last thing I want to mention on here before I move on to our episode today is that this year I'm really looking for opportunities to do live speaking events and those kind of engagements. And I just want to put it out there in case any of you who are listening have any opportunities that you would like me to come speak at at any activity that you're doing. It uh, It can be a small venue or a larger venue. I'm willing to travel depending on the time of year and where it is. And I'm doing it this year for free. All my speaking engagements this year are going to be free. I've done some speaking and I love it. And I just want to get more experience and really hone those skills. And so if you have any opportunities like that or know of anyone that would, especially speaking with military wives, but I'm really willing to do any, any audience. It's just a great experience to speak and coach live and I love doing it. So please reach out to me at podcast at simplyresilient.net if you have any opportunities like that. I really appreciate it. Okay, we're going to get right into our episode now. So as I mentioned, this episode is called What Do You Do With a Problem? And the reason that I titled it that is because I'm going to do a little three-part episode here over my next three episodes where I read you guys three of my favorite children's books that are like totally life coaching principles, but for kids and they are amazing. And the series is called What You Do Matters. 
and then each book is titled uh, one is what do you do with a problem what do you do with a chance and what do you do with an idea they are written by Kobe Yamada and illustrated by Mae Bessem and they are beautiful books and just have the sweetest messages in them and so I'm going to read you the book and then just share some of my thoughts about some of the concepts that it talks about inside of it and I'm always looking for ways to share these bigger concepts in a smaller way with my children in a way that will relate on their level so that's one reason I wanted to share these amazing books with you guys and you really need to check them out in person because while the story is beautiful and it will be fun to share here on the podcast really the pictures add so much and they are really fun to read to your kids so um, today the one we're going to read is what do you do with a problem And so I want to just review the self-coaching model that I've talked about in several of my episodes here on the podcast. It's my favorite tool that I use in my coaching with all my clients. And I like to say, and my, my coach and my teacher like to say that you use the model to solve any problem. And that's why I wanted to kind of review it for this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and just start by reading the book and then we'll get into it. Okay, this is What Do You Do With a Problem? Again, written by Kobe Yamada. Illustrated by May Bessem. I don't know how it happened, but one day I had a problem. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. I really didn't like having a problem, but it was there. Why is it here? What does it want? What do you do with a problem? I thought. I wanted to make it go away. I shoot it. I scowled at it. I tried ignoring it but nothing worked. I started to worry about my problem. What if it swallows me up? What if my problem sneaks up and gets me? What if it takes away all of my things? I worried a lot. I worried about what would happen. I worried about what could happen. I worried about this, and I worried about that. And the more I worried, the bigger my problem became. I wished it would just disappear. I tried everything I could to hide from it. I even found ways to disguise myself, but it still found me. And the more I avoided my problem, the more I saw it everywhere. I thought about it all the time, and I didn't feel good at all. I couldn't take it anymore. This has to stop, I declared. Maybe I was making my problem bigger and scarier than it actually was. After all, my problem hadn't really swallowed me up or attacked me. I realized that I had to face it. So even though I didn't want to, and even though I was really afraid, I got ready and I tackled my problem. When I got face to face with it, I discovered something. My problem wasn't what I thought it was. I discovered it had something beautiful inside. My problem held an opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to learn and to grow, to be brave, to do something. It showed me that it was important to look closely because some opportunities 
only come once. So now I see problems differently. I'm not afraid of them anymore because I know their secret. Every problem has an opportunity for something good. You just have to look for it. The end. Oh, it's such a beautiful story. And I don't know about you guys, but I get chills when I read it because although it's written for children and it's such a good message for children, we as adults do some of these same things. We wish our problem would go away. We hide from it. We pretend it's not happening. And in that, it gets bigger. Another really poignant page for me is the one where it talks about, I worried about my problem. I worried what might happen. I worried about this and I worried about that. And as I worried, it got bigger. I mean, that's actually, that's what I want to talk about today is we've talked about the model and how we can take anything that we're struggling with or that's weighing on us or that we just can't quite get a hold on or it's mysterious to us. We're not sure why it's happening and we can plug it into the model to really gain some traction on it. But today I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like when we're problem solving from our lower brain. And that's another reason why I love that this is a children's book and to read it as an adult because we all still have a lower brain as adults and our lower brain, also known as our toddler brain, is offering us toddler-like solutions to our problems and we don't even always realize it. And to gain awareness over that is huge. And so I want to show you some solutions from our lower brain. Okay, so when we are dealing with a problem and we're really stuck in the problem and we don't know what to do about it, we tend to be in our lower brain. And our lower brain offers us solutions like this in order to problem solve this problem. It offers us being very hard on ourselves. So we might spend a lot of time thinking, if I had only done something differently, I wouldn't even have this problem. Or only bad people have this problem. Only disorganized people have this problem. If I just were a different person, or if I were better at this or better at that, I wouldn't have this problem. So we can spend a lot of time being hard on ourselves. And the reason we know that's a solution that our lower brain is offering us is because that does not solve our problem. That keeps us stuck right in it. All of these solutions keep us stuck right in the problem. And that's when we know it's from our lower brain. Another solution that our lower brain will offer us is to be hard on other people. So that's where instead of pointing the finger at ourselves in that unproductive way of being hard on ourselves, we're pointing the finger out at anyone and anything in the world that we can blame the problem on. And so we are thinking, oh, the solution is if this person just were a better person or cared more about me or cared more about this problem, they would solve it and I wouldn't have this problem anymore. Or if they had never made those decisions or or taken that action, then I wouldn't be dealing with this. I wouldn't have to deal with this problem. And that, again, is an unproductive way to solve a problem because it keeps us stuck in it. It keeps us focusing on if other people were different, then we wouldn't have to deal with this. And it's also the way our lower brain tries to solve it by saying, if only we just didn't have this problem. It's trying to wish it away. Have you ever watched a child try to wish their problem away? I'm going to share a quick example with you guys. Just yesterday, I had one of my daughters at the orthodontist and she had to get some minor oral surgery in that she had to have four teeth pulled, baby teeth, and get four teeth that weren't coming in on their own exposed by splitting the gum and then having brackets attached to them and then attached to her braces so that they could pull those permanent teeth into place. So the permanent teeth that were not coming in were also not pushing the baby teeth out. So they pulled the baby teeth and did what they needed to do to start to get the adult teeth to move into the right place. And it was a lot. It was rough. It was a couple hours of 
of some pain and really a lot of discomfort for my daughter. And, you know, the first part is always so hard for them to just get the numbing shots, even though they rationally understand that that is what's going to make them not feel most of the rest of it. But she was pretty upset about getting the numbing shots. And then we got through that and then she was numb. So the middle part was pretty good. But then the stuff that he was doing near the the last third of the procedure, she was feeling quite a bit of it, mostly pressure, but some pain. And she was very uncomfortable and she was very tired and very done with having to do it. And she just kept saying over and over when she was able to speak, I just want to go home. Are you done yet? Is this over? I just want it to be over. I don't want to do anymore. I mean, she just was really trying to wish her problem away, which is a natural response in younger, less mature minds. But we do this as grownups too. And it's really a huge step to acknowledge that that's what we're doing sometimes and to acknowledge where that's coming from, which is just our lower brain. Here are a couple more solutions from our lower brain. Our lower brain wants to be right. And so rather than acknowledge that we have a problem that is solvable, we just say, no, I'm right and they're wrong. And so it's their problem. So whenever you're catching yourself thinking I'm right and they're wrong, you are in your lower brain. I just want you to know that. And it's interesting because Really, no one is ever right or wrong. We're just different. We just have different opinions. And a funny example of this is that my husband and I have a different taste in music. We have some things that we like that are the same and then some things that we like that are very different. And he loves to tease me that he has the right taste in music and I have the wrong taste in music. He obviously knows that that's not the case, but he thinks that what he likes in music is actually what's good to like in music and what I like in music is not worth liking. And it's just so funny because that's a really obvious way to see that you just have different opinions about things and neither of you are right or wrong. And we do this even in more important, intense matters than obviously our taste in music, but that's just kind of a silly example. So another solution from our lower brain that was talked about in the book was we focus on our problem. And rather than, that makes it very hard to think about solutions. We focus on the problem. We worry about the problem. We worry about what might happen, what hasn't even happened yet. And we're so focused on the fact that there is a problem, that there's no space in our brain to think about how to solve it. Our lower brain loves us to just stay still. And if we're focusing on the problem, we stay still. We're stuck in the problem. We avoid the problem. We delay needing to think about it, needing to face it. I love that page when he said, it was time, time to face my problem. We spend time in pity, pitying ourselves that we have this problem, wishing again that we didn't have to deal with it. We also spend time in confusion. You know, I'm having this problem and I have no idea why. I'm having this problem. I have no idea what to do about it. When truly that's not, that's not true. We spend time thinking, I have no idea why and I have no idea what to do about it. When if we were willing to take a look at it and willing to gain some awareness around our problem, which is what we're able to do when we put problems into the model, we would see exactly why the problem was occurring which is our thoughts. It's always our thoughts. And we would be able to start to make some plans on what we want to do about it, which comes in the action line and the result line. And so again, our lower brain wants us to hold still. And when we are in confusion, we hold still. And one of the last things that I thought of that our lower brain offers us as a solution, a very common solution to our problems is to just change our circumstance, change the C. So it's saying like, my job is very hard And if I just had a different job, it wouldn't be so hard. That's changing the C. Now that may give you relief temporarily. And sometimes we do change the C. I'm not saying we never change the C, but we clean up our thoughts first and then we change the C. Or we clean up our thoughts first and then we realize we don't need to change the C. But our lower brain thinks that the reason we're feeling the way we're feeling is because of the circumstance. And so it's automatic solution in many cases is let's just change the C and then we won't feel this way anymore. 
And as soon as we own and gain awareness around the fact that our thoughts are the reason we're feeling any way we're feeling, then that's completely in our control to change however we want to change without changing the circumstance. And when we do that first, we're much more productive at changing the circumstance and having success with that. Or again, realizing that we don't actually need to change the circumstance. It's very powerful. I want to share an in the trenches moment with you guys that will also illustrate some of these solutions from our lower brain. I had a client recently that was dealing with some issues with their dog and they were dealing with some issues in their marriage that were bigger than the dog, but the dog was a really good representation of the way their communication was going and the way they were dealing with problems in their life and in their marriage. And it was interesting to run some models on what was happening with the dog because it really represented some of the deeper issues at hand. And it was interesting to see how my client was going through all of these solutions that were not actually solving the problem. She was spending time being hard on herself. She was spending time being hard on her partner, thinking if one of them cleaned up their act, they wouldn't have the problem. (laughs) She was spending time wishing that they didn't have a dog anymore, changing the circumstance. She was spending time feeling bad for herself that she had to deal with some of these things with the dog. She would avoid thinking about the dog and kind of just distract with other things. She would blame her spouse. She would think that her ideas about the dog were right over his ideas about the dog. And she was very, very focused on the dog at times and not not anywhere talking about solutions, just focused on the problem at hand. And it wasn't until we were able to plug everything about the dog into a couple of different models to really get a look at the reasons she was feeling frustrated or resentful or any of the things she was feeling was because of the things she was thinking about the dog. And once she was able to get clear on that, we were able to start to make some intentional models and make a game plan for what she wanted to think and feel about the dog, which then put her in a perfect position to actually strategize and make plans for how to solve what was going on with the dog. She stopped focusing on the problem of the dog and started focusing on the solution that needed to happen with this dog. It was very impactful for her. And I was so glad that we were able to do that. And that leads me to the next part of the reason why we're able to solve any problem with the model is by just taking the problem that we're dealing with and plugging it into the model. We force ourselves to go from our lower brain to our higher brain. We are no longer in our lower brain when we're looking at our problem in the model. And that is exactly the step that we need to take to gain the awareness, to empower ourselves to solve the problem, to simplify the problem, to reduce the drama around the problem, is to move to our higher brain. And the tool of the model is the perfect pathway to move from our lower brain to our higher brain. So if you're feeling stuck in your lower brain, just know that by being willing to take a look at your problem in the model, that is one of the main, most important things you're accomplishing. Even if you don't make any changes with the problem, you are just forcing yourself to look at the problem from your higher brain. And your higher brain knows what to do. Your higher rational brain, your prefrontal cortex knows how to come up with problem solving strategies. It knows how to not blame, not go into self-pity. It's not going to indulge in those emotions. Your higher brain knows how to look at the facts at hand, Look, know how to look at your part of this problem, know how to own the parts that are yours and really take control of it and come up with some ideas and make some plans to create solutions for problems. That's why we're able to solve any problem with the model. 
is because we are then in our higher brain where when we're going down those really familiar patterns of focusing on the problem and worrying about it and things like that and we're stuck in our lower brain, we don't always know how to get out of that pattern. It's very familiar to us. I like using the word familiar because it's not easy and it's not comfortable, but it's very familiar and familiar feels safe to us. And so we go down those familiar paths of this is what I do when I have a problem. I avoid it. I focus on it. I worry about it. I blame. I feel right. You know, all of these things, those feel so familiar to us because that's what we did when we were growing up and developing, when we didn't really have as many abilities as we have now to switch to our higher brain. Because when we're young, we don't have a prefrontal cortex. It's still developing. And we're, you're able to be rational as a young person, but you're much more likely to use your lower brain to solve problems as a young person. And then the grown-ups around you or whatever are able to cue you and help you get into that rational brain. But it's very common for young people to use their lower brain to solve problems. And we create those familiar pathways as young people. And we're able to, as grown-ups, see the rational side a lot more frequently because our prefrontal cortex is developed but we still have those familiar patterns that feel very comfortable to us, even though they're actually very uncomfortable because resentment and frustration and avoidance, all of those things are very uncomfortable, but they're familiar and they're safe and we get to hold still there. And so we go down those paths and then we can't figure out why we're doing what we've always done when we wish we were doing it differently. And that is why the tool of the model is what we can use to solve any problem because we just need that little bridge, that little tool, that little pathway to say, I don't want to be stuck in my lower brain anymore. I want to look at this problem from my higher brain. I'm going to be willing to take a look at this problem within the framework of this self-coaching model. I'm going to coach myself on this problem. I'm going to get coached on this problem by someone who has an outside perspective on it. And I'm going to solve this problem. Every problem is figure outable and solvable if we're looking at it from our higher brain. And the model is such an excellent way to do that. The last thing that I want to mention from this book that is so well told is the part where he talks about how there's an opportunity inside of every problem. And I love how he says that now I know how to think about problems. Now I know how to look at a problem and see it for its opportunity. And I love this part because I think that this is especially important for kids to learn early on, but also again, as us as adults, that the life that we're creating will always have some good and some bad problems will occur. And it's available to us to look at that problem any way we want to. And if we look at it for the opportunity that it is, it will completely change our experience of that problem. And the work that we do, the mind management work that we do to look at a problem as an opportunity really turns us into a different version of ourselves. We're, we're better for it and we're, we experience our life differently. And, and I love that lesson that it's teaching. So your mission for this episode is to do your self-coaching. Take something that has been causing you way too much stress and plug it into the model. Just be willing to take a look at it. Be willing to recognize it for what it is. Be willing to recognize what you've been doing about this problem, that you've been using solutions offered to you from your lower brain, and that's why you're still stuck on it and not able to make the headway on it. So I want you to sit down today and write out a model about a problem that you have been dealing with that you are ready to stop holding still and be stuck inside that problem. You are ready to feel differently, to do something differently about this problem, to make some headway on it by cleaning up your thoughts that you're having around this problem. But the very first step is to move into your higher brain before cleaning up your thoughts and just really take a look at the current thoughts you're having about this problem. We never have to wonder why we're feeling a certain way or doing a certain thing because it's always our thoughts. 
And the first most important step is to take a look at the thoughts you are currently having about a problem. And then once you acknowledge those and really see why they are the source of the problem, then you're in a position to create some new thoughts, to create a game plan for the new way you want to think and feel about this problem. It's such a a position of empowerment that I want you all to feel and experience. So your mission for the episode is to write out a model today. I would love to see your models. Anytime you feel like sending me a model, you want feedback on it to see if you're plugging everything in right or if you have questions or you aren't quite sure where something would go in the model, just send me an email at jesse at simplyresilient.net with your problem, with what you think the model should look like or any parts that you're not sure on and I will send you back my feedback on your models. I would love, love, love to see what you guys are working on. Okay, we're gonna end with a hot mess moment. I wanna share a funny one with you guys today from back from our time in Alabama when we were in flight school and living at Fort Rucker. My sister who lived in Florida, really nearby, she had a surgery that had a pretty big recovery. And so I took her two little kids for like a week and a half, I think, at that time. And I had my four little kids. No, no, I had three little kids at this time. And so I was pregnant with Bruce, my eight-year-old. And I had my three girls who were like, I think six, no, they were five, four and two when I was pregnant with Bruce. And then I now had my sister's kids and they were right in the middle there between um, two of my kids. And so it really went like I had a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. I'm pretty sure it was just right like that. Five, four, three, two, one. And then I was pregnant. So it's kind of a ridiculous situation. We did great. We just where we were just in kid world for a week and a half and it was kind of wild. But when you just kind of set your brain in that mode, like you're not trying to get anything else done, it's kind of like when you're potty training. You're like, we're not going to do anything productive for the next five days because we're potty training. That's what I was like. I was like, this is just a week and a half of kids nonstop all the time. And I'm pregnant, so I'm going to be really nice to myself. And I'm just going to like lay on the ground, play with the kids. We'll watch TV. We'll take them to the pool. It was in the summer, I remember. So it was pretty hot. And that's the story I want to share. So my husband was really busy with flight school, but every once in a while, he would get a day off or, or a weekend off. And right in the middle of this, he, I think he even like had class, but it got canceled. So he had this kind of surprise day off. And I said, oh, today's the day. Let's go to the pool. Cause then you can help me take all these kids to the pool. And we need to get out of the house. And so without even thinking about it, we just got everyone ready, loaded them in our van. I don't think I'd even left the house at this point uh, with all these, with my kids, plus my sister's kids, my niece and nephew. And so I wasn't thinking too much about it, but we loaded in the car and we went to the pool And when we're out in public with lots of little kids, we kind of do this train where like when I have my husband with me and he's leading and I'm like the caboose and all the kids are in the middle. So they all have their little floaties on and and I think I even sunscreened them up at my house so they would be able to just go straight there and get in the pool. So we've got these five little kids between us and they're all ready to swim and Brad's leading the way and I have my huge like seven month pregnant belly. I think I was, it was probably like August and I was having him in October. And I'm just in my swimming suit. So it's very evident that I'm just really pregnant and he's in his swimming suit up in the front. And I was laughing so hard because first we got these kind of strange looks and I started realizing like how strange we looked. All these little kids and I'm super pregnant. And then people started giving Brad like the dirtiest looks. They were like mad at him. They were like ready to stand up on my behalf. Like, come on, man, get off your wife. Like give her a break. Cause they're thinking all these kids are ours. And that 
we're just either we're crazy or my husband is like, let's get pregnant again or something. I mean, they for some reason they were channeling their dirty looks at Brad. I mean, they can't really channel them at me. I'm the awesome pregnant mom and he's going to be in, the, in this story that they've created in their minds. He's the dirtbag who won't stop getting his wife pregnant or something. It was so funny. And neither of us even thought about quite how crazy we looked until we were just at the pool and kind of receiving all of this judgment. Just that as that realization came on my brain, what was happening, I was laughing internally a good bit. And then I explained to Brad what was going on because he wasn't even seeing any of it. I was the caboose. So I was watching all the looks and he was like, what is happening? You know, once he finally started to pick up on it and I explained to him what was going on and we were both just laughing because we just thought, man, we've never been judged quite this much. I mean, we we're kind of used to getting strange looks in public, especially when we're not in Utah, people in Utah. There's a lot of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here. And a lot of us have bigger families. So when we're in Utah, we don't get very many strange looks. But anytime we're out of Utah, especially when I'm pregnant, I don't know why that adds to it. But especially when I'm pregnant, we just get a lot of looks like, man, when are you guys ever going to be done having kids? It just looks like we have this huge crew and we do. So we're kind of used to those looks, but really that picture that we painted, and I wish I did have a picture of it. Maybe I, I have one I can find of these five little blonde kids, five, age five, four, three, two, and one. And then my big belly at the pool that day. Wow. We really were just under fire of people's judgment and we just let them judge and it's fine. I, I, I think I was able to explain it to maybe one or two people who actually like said something to me like, are these all your kids? And I was like, oh no, I'm babysitting my niece and nephew this week. And they were like breathing a little easier after they heard that, <laughs> but not much. Anyway, it was, it was just hilarious. And just an interesting exercise to just be willing to be judged. Like you have this real strong desire of like, I need to like make an announcement, like stand up and make an announcement so everyone understands and then they'll stop judging us so much. But it's a pretty interesting experience to just say, you know, it's okay. They can just get it wrong. At that time, I wasn't really thinking about it that way, but that's the way I try to think about it now when I know people kind of are getting the wrong story about me. I'm not saying that I'm not willing to tell them the right story, but I remind myself that I don't need to. And if they ask, I'll answer, you know, and I'll explain what's going on or whatever. But to just, I'm willing to have them be wrong about me is a pretty interesting experience to have. And it's pretty freeing because when you feel like you need to justify your story to someone or really explain it away so that they can feel good about it, that comes from this kind of graspy, scarcity place. But abundance really comes when you're, you're okay with you, you know your story, and you're just willing to be judged. It's okay. They can feel however they want to feel. They can write their own story of what they're seeing and you know they don't have it right and that's okay. Or maybe they do have it right, you know, and that's okay too. Anyway, if you guys have had that experience, I would encourage you to just experiment with just being willing to be judged and not needing to explain to everybody what's going on. It's pretty fun. Okay, well, thank you so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. I also love when you subscribe, rate, and review it. If this podcast resonates with you and you are interested in learning more, please send an email to jessie at simplyresilient.net to schedule your free life coaching mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. Remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.